If you have uh, Bibles, take them out to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You can also pick up the bulletin, which has the outline for the message right there. Out those center doors is a bulletin. You can pick one of those up. Uh, when the church began, they were commanded to do two things when they began. They were called out throughout church history. Uh, they were called observances. They were called ordinances. Some churches call them sacraments. I would prefer the word ordinances over uh, sacra sacraments because sacraments could have a definition that means the means of grace. And so I prefer ordinances. So we have two ordinances. The first one is baptism. You hear me talk about that. I talked about this morning during the announcement. Remember Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, Therefore, go make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and the church did that in Acts chapter 2. Many people came to know Jesus Christ, their Savior, and they were obedient into the waters of baptism. They were baptized. Baptism didn't add to the salvation. Basically, they just said, told them what happened on the inside. It was a picture of what happened on the inside, right? They identified with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is what they did. So, so baptism is not an option not why I, 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 I don't really want to do it. It's not an option. If you have been baptized, if you have not been baptized, I encourage you to do that today if you trusted Jesus Christ for your Savior. As I shared earlier, sign up back there. It's not an option. He gives us a command. Go do it. Go do it. Not an option for us. So sign up. If you've never been baptized after you accepted Jesus Christ for your Savior. If you have questions about that, please come and see me after the service. Today we want to look at the second ordinance. The Lord's table, sometimes it's called communion. It again has commanded us to do. Uh, but it came out of the Passover time period. In fact, the night before Jesus was crucified, he's in the upper room with his disciples, just hours before his death, and there he's partaking over uh, on with, with the Passover meal with his disciples right there in the upper room. And so maybe you're asked, what is the Passover meal? Let's not assume. That's a great question, right? Well, we have to go all the way back to the time period where the children of Israel are in bondage in Egypt, right? They're in bondage for over 400 years. Then God finally said, it's time. It's time that you left that, went to the land of promise. So God called a man by the name of Moses. And God says, I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to talk to Pharaoh, and I want you to lead my people, Moses. So Moses goes talk to Pharaoh, and he says, God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no, I'm not going to let my people go. Let your people go. They're my people. There's free slave labor, so he's not going to let them go. So conversations went back and forth, and Pharaoh kept saying he's not going to let them go. So finally God brought the ten plagues, right? He brings the ten plagues, and each one of those plagues was the purpose of getting the attention of Pharaoh and the Egyptians, of showing them that God is a powerful God, he's the only true God, and that God is in control, so they could understand that. And when it came to the 10th plague, the final plague that God was going to bring on them, it's called the Passover. Because the death angel was going to pass over the towns and villages of, of Egypt. And the Jews living in the land, they would take a, uh, a lamb, and they would slain that lamb, and they would take the blood, and they would put it over their doorpost. And that was a sign to the death angel that the people living in those homes would be safe. And so they were covered by the blood of the lamb that was slain, right? They put, was put over those doorposts. Kind of gives us a picture of Christ, right? They were covered by the blood. And the death angel would pass over those houses covered by the blood, and he would not harm them. But all those houses that did not have blood over their doorposts, when the day, death angel came over them, their firstborn in that house would die. And God was showing them. says, these people, they're my, the Jews, they are my people. 
let them go, God was saying. So Passover is a really, really big deal for the children of Israel. It brought them out of bondage. It brought them into the promised land that God had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And now they are to celebrate that every year. They get together and celebrate the Passover. They have a, a meal together, and then a lamb was slain, and so forth and so on, because they wanted to never forget what God had done. Never forget that. So all the major prophets from uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel and all the minor prophets, those 12 little books that are in your Old Testament, you know, where the pages kind of sticks together and it's hard to open those pages, all these guys wrote to remind the children of Israel, don't ever forget, don't ever forget who you are, that you are God's and God is yours and you are his people. And he's the one that brought you out from, from the Exodus. He's the one that brought you out from the bondage in Egypt. God did that. So they are celebrating this the night before Jesus is crucified yet. And it was at this point that Jesus transitioned theologically right here from the Passover to his own death. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul is writing this large paragraph for you and I. So he instructs us with regards to the communion and Lord's table, what it's all about. So we can understand why do we take this? Why do we take this? And I like to do this every so often so we're reminded why we take this together. So the Lord's table, if you have your outline, Sandy, hopefully you do. The first thing Paul instructs us to do, to remember Jesus and his sacrifice. To remember Jesus and his sacrifice. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 25. Where Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed unto you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, betrayed, took bread, when given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, do this whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. Picture this, at the meal, you've all seen the Da Vinci picture, right? They're at that table, it's kind of a U-shaped table, they're having a meal together, and historians and theologians are trying to picture, trying to determine where Jesus sat at that table, and also where his disciples maybe sat at that table, according to honor and all that, all those kind of things. But the seating order is not as significant as what happened in that moment where Jesus took the bread and he said, this is my body. He is changing from the first covenant to the second covenant, from the old covenant to the new covenant, what he's doing right there. And, and he's saying, for all these years, there's been lambs have been slain to cover sin. And Jesus said, now, I am the Passover lamb, and this is my body, which is broken for you. Changing everything. Changing everything right there. And he begins the new covenant, ratified by his blood. It, it's, it's a very, very, very powerful moment, what he's doing right here. And sometimes we just go over it. Very powerful moment, what's happening right here. What Jesus is doing in the upper room, the night before he's crucified. As we remember, we now look back at the cross and that Jesus Christ, the expression of the love of God, of God himself, right? That he came from the throne room of heaven. He came down as a baby, kind of grew as a child, developed as a young man. And then he began his wonderful, amazing ministry to be tempted by the, the wicked one in the desert, in the wilderness. And, and then he performed all kinds of miracles, right? Did all kinds of things. Said things that only God could say, proclaimed. And then he died. He died on the cross. Uh, but to realize that he died... Fulfill the words of John the Baptist. John the Baptist said, Behold, this Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so when we look at that horrible, horrible death that Jesus went through there on the cross, it's a reminder to us 
how bad our sin really is. That's, that, that's what God had to do. It's a reminder to us the love of God and how great his love really is for us. And we are never supposed to forget that, of what it cost Jesus, of what he did for you and I on that cross, and how great the love of God is, amen? How great his love is that he would do that for us. And Jesus informed Paul, and Paul says now, he says there, I received this from Jesus, and now I'm passing it on to you. So whenever you do this, the Bible doesn't tell us how often to do it. Some churches do it every week. Some churches do it once a month. Some churches do it once a year. Uh, none of them are either right or wrong because the Bible doesn't tell us. It seems like it would be best to do it more than once a year, though, right? Because we need to remember. And you say, why does Jesus and Paul tell us that we need to remember? Because we're not very good at that. We're not very good at remembering, right? We're not good at that. We move on so quickly is what we do. Things happen in our life, but we move on. And God knows that about us. We need to be reminded. So what he's saying here, I want you to get together, and I want you to celebrate. The Lord's table is to celebrate together. I want you to celebrate, to take bread, to take the juice. And he says that these are not refreshments, but there's deep, deep spiritual meaning to this. Not so you and I come, hey, man, I get to drink a little bit of juice, a little bit of bread. Help me. It's not that at all. Deep spiritual meaning. During the medieval times, the Catholic Church had developed the teaching that these elements were actually the body and the blood of Jesus. They actually still teach that today. The reformers softened that. Some of the reformers thought, well, they are, but more in a mystical way than really a literal way, that other reformers, like Swingley, took it as more of a symbolic way. We here at Crossroads, we believe it's symbolism, it's symbolism, and that while there's a blessing in partaking of the Lord's table, uh, these are just symbols representing the body and the blood of Jesus given for us. That's all they are, symbols. And I love the words that Jesus uses here in verse 24. He, he says, this is my body, which is for you. The last two words are so important where he says, for you, for you. Understand the cross was for you. It's all for you. May I encourage you to every time you come to the Lord's table, or we're going to be taken in just a few moments, every time you go to come to the Lord's table, to think of the cross, to think of the suffering, to think of the meaning of all that, and then understand all that was for you for you personally. He did it for Jesus died for you on that cross, that we may have life. That's why he died. Not for himself. He died for you, what the Bible says. And he says as well, here's, do this in remembrance of me. He, he's saying it's not an optional. It's a command. Do this in remembrance of me. It's a command for you and I. So the challenge here is to understand that Jesus gave his body for us, and we are to remember for him. To remember what he did on the cross for us. We're to remember that. Then he goes on and he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. The new covenant had been ratified by the blood of Jesus as talked about in the book of Hebrews. So we look back as believers, now we look back not on a Passover, not being delivered from Egypt thousands of years earlier. We don't look back at that. We look back at a cross because it was at that cross where you first found the light in life, right? And now we're living that out in thanksgiving and, and gratitude to God, what he did for us, what he graciously did for us out of his great love that he has for us. Can't, a man, can't imagine that in my own mind. How great a love does he have for us sinners? We're all sinners, right? All of us are sinners, and he died for us. And, and so for the Jews, remembering meant more perhaps than our connotation today. Uh, we remember, we think back, we kind of recall. That's what it kind of means for us today. But remembering meant so much more to that. Remembering means to relive. What are we living? To put yourself in the situation. 
to understand all the details that happened during that day, to understand the suffering, to understand the meaning and significance and purpose of it all. That's what we're to be reminded of, all those kind of things. So, so the Lord's table, the communion service, when we celebrate, as a celebration, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. When we take time to reflect, we go back to a day where Jesus died on that cross for you and I so that we might have life. That's why we do it, so we might have life. It's only through the cross. It's only through the cross that our li- where our lives are changed for all of eternity. It's only through that cross. It's only through that cross where we're translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Amen? Only through the cross. It's only through that cross where we find salvation. So when we come to the Lord's table, we remember Jesus and his sacrifice. Because it's only through that cross where we have a relationship with God. It's only through the cross. The second thing we come into the table, number two, examine yourself spiritually during communion. Look on the inside. Examine yourself spiritually. Let's look at verse 27. These are very heavy words. Let me warn you, very heavy words. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version here. Verse 27 through 34. So it says, Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along the, uh, with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will, will not be for judgment. First of all, what he's saying in this verse, he says, don't partake in an unworthy manner, he's saying. Uh, none of us are worthy to take the elements without Christ, right? Outside of Christ. None of us are worthy. We're not worthy to come. But he's not talking about our character here. He's not talking about that at all. But he's talking about the manner in which we approach the table. He's saying, don't come in an unworthy manner. Apparently, there were some in the Corinthian church that were doing that. They were coming in an unworthy manner. They, they would come and celebrate this love feast together. They would have a meal together. And during that meal, there were some who had food, and there were some who didn't have food. And those who had food didn't share with those who didn't have food. And so Paul writes, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. And then they would transition into the Lord's table after they sang some songs. What Paul is saying, what are you doing before you take this? He says, you, have you been so callous that you don't even consider your brothers toward your brothers in the body of Christ? What are you doing here? He says that now you take the Lord's table. He says you take it so lightly or flippantly, or you don't even consider what you're doing right here as you're taking this, and what you're doing to the others in the body of Christ. You have no idea what you're doing? He says, so what you're doing, you're disregarding or dishonoring the body of Christ. You're dishonoring the Lord is when you're doing this. When somebody trounces on the flag, they're not just dishonoring the, the flag of the country. They're dishonoring the country itself, right? And what Paul is saying here, he's warning them. He says, don't disregard the communion, the Lord's table. Because when you're doing that, you're just not dishonoring the event. You're just not dishonoring part of a service. You're dishonoring the Lord himself and the body. This is what you're you're doing there. So he gives us a warning. And this is to believers in Jesus Christ. This is all of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. He says, that's why some of you are sick. 
And that's why some of you have passed away. He says, because it's in your midst. Are you getting the idea this is a really big, big deal to God? Do you get the idea he's saying this? That communion, taking this communion, if we can't take it lightly. God is very serious. And something else I want to share. God is very serious when you and I come in here to worship him. This is not a laughing matter. God takes his worship of him very, very serious. Not jokingly. He wants us to be serious people as we come to worship our God, to understand who he is, to stand in awe and reverence of him, to understand that. And as we come to this table, he wants no different. He wants us to come and understand. This is serious coming to his table. That's why we have a warning. So the warning is given. What does that mean for us? Kind of, man, should I even take it, right? Kind of makes us nervous. What, what, what I think it means, a couple of things. I mean, first of all, what he's saying is we need to come to the table with clean hearts. Have a clean heart before we take communion, before we take with the Lord's table. In other words, having dealt with past sins is what we're supposed to do. And, and most of us know our past sins. Most of us know the times we've disobeyed God, right? Right? We know that. But there may be some blind spots in our life. And there's a verse in Scripture that helps us with the blind spots. And it just so happens to be your memory verse for this week that I gave you. Psalm 139, verse 23 through 24, kind of helps us with those blind spots. And I love this verse, <clears throat> excuse me, where it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. I've prayed that prayer many times in my life. But, but I pray that prayer, I think it's a prayer that should always be part of com communion at the Lord's table. That we ask God that make sure that I have, my heart is right before I take this. Because that's what he tells us to do. And, and we come and we say, God, is there anything in my life, search me. Is there anything in my life that's displeasing to you? Anything at all? Show it to me. So I can confess it. So if we're praying that prayer, and hopefully you prayed that prayer this morning before you take of the Lord's table. And if God reveals anything, sometimes we got to wait. we got to wait, and he reveals things to us. And God shows you that you confess it, you receive the cleansing. So the first thing we have to do, we have to look at past sins, right? Look at the past sins that we've committed, the sins that we're committing, and we confess them. But also, I think it deals with present attitudes that we have, that he's talking about here, about the Corinthians and stuff. What are the attitudes in which we should approach the table? God is concerned with that, your attitude. Do we love the body of Christ? Do we share within that body of Christ we're taking this? God is interested in that. That's what he was saying to the Corinthians. Like, do we share? So whenever we, whenever we uh, take of this communion, whenever we do this, God reveals to us in terms of past sins, in terms of our present attitudes, whenever we take this, that are anything that's counterintuitive to the sacrifice of Jesus in our life, to the cross, as we celebrate the Lord's table, as God reveals those wrong attitudes, those past sins, we're to confess them. And then receive the forgiveness of God, right? That's what we're to do. So he says in this event, this event, as we take of the Lord's table, it causes us to do, look back and remember the sacrifice. Remember Jesus. And then it causes us to look in, look within us. And say, God, God, search me. Is there any sins that I need to confess? Is there any wrong attitudes that I need to get right before God? And that's what we're to do. So right now, as that is fresh in our mind, I want to go us to take of the Lord's table this morning. And so you, if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior this morning, I invite you to partake of us. But I want to have you join me in prayer as we look within. And we ask the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts and minds this morning 
as we take communion, communion to show us, Lord, is there anything wrong in our hearts and minds? Is there any blind spots this morning of past sins or wrong attitudes that I have this morning, okay? So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to take communion. Let's pray. Lord, we come, and we're just thankful so much of all that we have. And Lord, as we come before this table this morning, Lord, we realize from the scriptures that we should not take this moment lightly, because you don't. That you warn us to make sure, Lord, we remember your son, what he so graciously did for us on that cross, to remember him, his suffering, his sacrifice, his pain, what he did for us, was all done for us. And Lord, we'd also look within, ask the Holy Spirit to check our own hearts. Lord, reveal to us any past sins, any sin that stands between you and me, anything that displeases you, any wrong attitudes. Lord, check our attitudes, any wrong attitudes that I might have towards someone else in this body or towards someone else that I need to confess. Let us get it right right now. Lord, any wickedness in our heart, any selfishness, any pride that we might have, that we might get it right with you and confess it. And remember you, Jesus. So, Lord, I ask that you would, Holy Spirit, we give you permission to look in our hearts and our minds this morning, reveal those things, that, Lord, we may remember your Son and all he did for us. And it was for us. He did it for me and for each one of us personally. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He suffered for us. He shed his blood for us. He gave his body for us so that we may have life. So, Lord, as we're just praying and remembering you, work in our hearts and minds before we take of the elements. Lord, we love you and praise you. We thank you so much, Lord. This is your table, and you've invited all those who knew Jesus Christ, your Savior, to come to your table, and that we do this, not an option, that we do this to remember you and to unite us with one another and cleanse our hearts as we confess our sins. So, Lord, we ask that you would do that work in our hearts and minds so we can be united in Jesus Christ so we can fix our minds clear-hearted. Our hearts are clear to be able to see you through this. So help us, Lord, become the people you want us to be this morning. We ask these things that are wonderful, amazing name in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come and receive the elements. Once you receive the elements, we have three stations. Go back to your seats and we take them together, okay?
equally take away that if we could say this is his body which is broken for you we all say that together this morning this is his body which is broken for you together this morning y'all say it once more this is his body which is broken for you Jesus' blood did what a thousand blood of a thousand animals could not do to satisfy the satisfy the righteous justice of God unto the Father. Jesus said, whenever you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. Lord, we praise you and we thank you so much that you invited us to your table. Partake of it this morning, Lord, to worship you, to remember you, to confess our sins, whatever they may be in our hearts and minds. Lord, we're so thankful have this. Lord, it's always good for us to remember who you are. That's what the Lord's table does. May you be honored in our hearts and minds. Not our hearts are cleansed and we've confessed our sins and our hearts and minds are fixated upon you. Continue to teach us, Lord, as we continue in the message and continue later on to sing. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We skipped over verse 26, didn't we? I want to come back to that. Um, because it reminds us, first of all, as we take the Lord's table, what are we supposed to do? We look back and remember what Jesus did on the cross, right? We look back at the cross, and then we look at within, introspection. Look at our own hearts and minds. Is there any sin? Is there any wrong attitudes in our life? And then the Bible also says in verse 6, not only we look back, we look within, but we look ahead in anticipation. We look ahead in anticipation. So we look back, we look within, and then we look ahead. Verse 26, he says this. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It's commanded that we do this together, and every time that we do this, we're proclaiming the Lord's death, every time we take communion. So we're proclaiming the Lord's death, and we're not ashamed. We're not ashamed to identify with this. Many people are ashamed to identify with Jesus, that he died on the cross for their sin. They're, they're ashamed to identify the, with that. And in our own death, in our own victory over sin through the cross, right? And so we, so we declare it. And when we do this, we do this until the day we see the one who died on the cross for our sins. Not with eyes of faith, but one day we're going to see him face to face, right? We're going to do this till we see him face to face, amen? So we're going to keep doing this regularly. We meet to do this, not flippantly, but meaningfully is what he's saying. With confession and, and humility as we come to the table. With gratitude and huge, huge anticipation because one day we're going to see him. One day we're going to see him face to face. We're going to be with Jesus. And so every time we take communion, every time we come to the Lord's table, it's a reminder that we do this until he comes. But it's also a reminder that this world is not all there is. We get so wrapped up in the politics of the day. We get so wrapped up in the burdens of the day and all that's going on, recognizing that this is just a point in time between Jesus' first coming and his second coming, right? And we're to celebrate together. We're to come in together and celebrate because the cross takes care of all the past. It does. It reconciles us to God. All those things that are past is taken care of by the cross. But the cross also gives us a future. And giving us a future also gives us a mission. And the mission it gives us that we proclaim the Lord's death, he says, until he comes. That we proclaim that death. Not just in our identification with taking of the elements or partaking of that, 
But he's saying, when we leave this place, we're full and we're ready to go and go out there and, and we have something to share with the world that so desperately needs to hear it. That, we, that if we know Jesus Christ is our Savior, our task is to share the gospel message with others so they can have what you have. Because that's what the world needs. They need Jesus, whether they realize it or not. That makes the difference in a person's life. And what, who we love so much, we need to share that with others, right? We have to share that with other people. That's our mission. That's what he said when we take communion. Our mission now is to look ahead. We look ahead. We're proclaiming his death. But we look ahead for him to come back. Until he does, our job is to proclaim his death. Proclaim the gospel message so other people can have that. That people in the world, they have no idea how lost they are. They have no idea that one day they're going to have to give an account to an almighty God. They have no idea. They think they're living this life and that's all there is. So they're trying to get out of it, all that they can out of it. They have no idea. And they're not going to understand it until you and I are bold enough to share the wonderful message of Jesus. How much God loved them and sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for them. That Jesus didn't come to judge them. Jesus came to die for them. So that they might have life with him for all of eternity. That's what he wants. But you and I have to take that message and share with them. And so maybe you're here today and you've part, you know, taken this all in. And you say, yeah, but I'm not there. I'm just on the journey. And I, I, I don't know Jesus yet. I don't know if I was going to die tomorrow, if, if I would go to heaven. I'm just not sure about that. I want, I want to share with you, today would be a good day to make sure of all that. Today would be a wonderful day to put your faith and trust in Jesus. But you need to understand two things. The first one is who Jesus is, that he's the Son of God, that he's God. And the second one, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins that he was your substitute. He took your place. He died for all those things that separate between you and God. Jesus did that. And then once you understand that and you believe that, then you trust it by faith that I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and I accept his finished work upon the cross for me. Make it personal. The Bible says you're saved by grace through faith. So we come to God's drawn us to, to him by his grace we understand the truth, and we have to believe. We have to accept it by faith. If you've never done that, please do that today. If you have questions, please come and see me after the service. That's the most important thing, to make sure our eternity is secured, right? If you don't know if you know Jesus, you don't. Either you know or you don't, right? You're not straddling the fence. I'm almost there. No one's almost there. Either you know Christ or you don't. I've accepted Jesus or I have not. And if you're not for sure, you probably haven't. You probably don't understand it. You need to make sure that today. God wants you to know that you're a child of God. He wants you to know that your eternity is uh, set to be with him forever, okay? So let's get that straight. All of us who know Christ as their Savior, and I'm hoping it's most of you, maybe all of you, are you ready to worship? Are you ready to worship? We've had the message. We've had communion. We've remembered Jesus. We've fixed our eyes upon him. We've confessed our sins. We realize to look ahead, we're to proclaim his death until he comes. We're to proclaim the gospel. So now what we need to do, we're prepared to worship. Are you ready to worship? Let me pray so we can worship. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we praise you. We thank you so much of your goodness. We thank you so much. God, you are king. You are savior king. You did it all for us. You came to this world for us. You died on the cross for us. It was all for us. It was all for us. So it was for yourself. It was for us because you love us so much. And Lord, we come today and we're so thankful. 
May we have an attitude of gratitude to you. May we live this out in, in, in loving you. To live for you, Jesus. We're so thankful to you, what you did for us on the cross. All that means to us, Lord, for all of eternity. That point in time when you died for our, our sins on that cross is for all of eternity for us. Our sins are forgiven. And we have a right relationship with God through you, Jesus. And that moment that we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, that changed our eternity. Translate us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And we all sing praises to you. So, Lord, I pray that there is anybody in our midst or listening that does not know Jesus Christ. So, not sure. That's okay. We all have been there. Dear Lord, help them humble themselves enough to ask, to get their questions answered, that they might come and say, I, I don't understand it. I don't know Jesus. I need to know this. So that they too might know Christ as their Savior and their eternity may be sealed in Jesus. So I pray for their soul. I pray for their salvation. They need to put their faith and trust in Jesus. I pray for them. I pray for all of us who, who has accepted Christ. That this morning, Lord, that maybe, uh, maybe we didn't really understand the Lord's table. Today we finally do. And we remember this every time that we come to the Lord's table, Lord. We need to look to the past, examine our hearts within, and then look ahead in anticipation. So, Lord, I pray that for us as we're doing that in our hearts and minds, Lord, that our hearts would be lifted up to you, ready to really sing out with loud voices of Jesus, all that you mean to us. That we love you so much because you're our Savior King. You're the one who died on the cross for our sins. You're the one that made all this happen. It's all because of you, Jesus. Not be anything we've done, not because we're so smart, it's because your grace and your mercy and your death upon that cross, and we're so thankful for, to you and what you've done for us. So Lord, let us sing like with that, with our hearts full of joy, full of celebration, full of thanksgiving and gratitude as we sing this next song to you in worship. We love you and we praise you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.